Newton Media Group, a family of creative services, presents the Voice Over Work podcast. Today is Friday, May 21st, 2021. On the podcast today, we'll take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at Learn Game Theory, a primer to strategic thinking and advanced decision-making. Strategic Thinking Skills, Book One, written by Albert Rutherford, narrated by Russell Newton. To maximize your benefits from reading this book, please download the accompanying PDF. It contains important matrices. Game One, a physical or mental competition conducted according to rules with the participants in direct opposition to each other. Two, an activity engaged in for diversion or amusement. Three, a procedure or strategy for gaining an end. Theory, one, a plausible or scientifically acceptable general principle or body of principles offered to explain phenomena. My story with game theory. Game theory ended my first marriage. My ex-wife had champagne tastes, but we were on a beer budget back in the day. I'd just gotten my master's degree at the university I was attending, and she just didn't get the role after another audition. To celebrate my graduation and cheer her up, we went out for dinner with our larger friend circle. After exchanging some conversational niceties, our focus shifted onto the menu. My ex-wife realized that the restaurant served her favorite dish, Moroccan lamb, with a Merlot glaze, sprinkled with cherry reduction sauce, and paired with oven-roasted rosemary pears with gorgonzola cheese. In short, it had every possible high-end ingredient, with a price tag that kept the restaurant in business, even if they sold two of the fancy mix a night. Let's say it cost $150, and in the 80s, that was something. My ex-wife had a big decision to make go for the lamb dish or not. In practice, this was a relatively simple choice. She had to decide whether indulging in the meal was worth the hefty price tag. Her to-order-or-not-to-order dilemma has... Game Theory Basics Game theory is the study of strategic decision-making, a framework for using mathematical models to understand the behavior and motivation of competing rational players. Robert Allman the 2005 Nobel Prize winner in economics, defined game theory as a mathematical formalization of interactive decision-making. Let's pause here for a moment. These definitions are starting to get gaudier and gaudier. In simple terms, game theory is the formalized description of what happens between rational decision-makers. I would like to emphasize the word rational. It carries the assumption that players want to maximize their benefits no matter what. It is a safe assumption, right? Actually, later in this book, we'll see that people are not always rational about strategic decisions. You may think that only high-stakes poker players or a mastermind of political intrigue like Carl the Architect Rove would use game theory or a super competitive sports coach who clandestinely video records the opposing team's practice drills or fudges a birthday to have an older player in the wrong age division. Friends, enemies, 
small-scale or large-scale influencers, politicians, gamers, and average people like me all benefit from understanding game theory. But here comes the tricky part. As a player, it's difficult to assess what would be beneficial to the other players. Often, you don't even know what you want to achieve. The classic assumption here is that the reward we're shooting for is money or victory. But this is a reductionist view. There are plenty of other satisfying benefits a player can get from playing the game. Pride, positive feedback, influence, more social media followers, etc. Chapter 1. The Prisoner's Dilemma The Prisoner's Dilemma is one of the most famous examples of game theory to ever be created. Melvin Drescher and Merrill Flood conducted the first experiment based on the concept of this dilemma for the Rand Corporation in the 1950s. Let's take a look at how the traditional, which only means the most popular Prisoner's Dilemma game, looks like. Standard Prisoner's Dilemma Two criminals, Jim and Tim, have been picked up by the police to be interrogated on suspicion of committing a major crime. Let's say manufacturing methamphetamine. The police have no evidence, but they are certain of Jim and Tim's guilt. The two criminals are led into separate interrogation rooms by police officers who offer each one a deal. They're told that if both of them stay silent, they'll have to serve one year each on a lighter charge, such as marijuana possession. This is not the best deal, is it? But then the chief of police enters the room and, as a part of a well-rehearsed police strategy, gives them each a better deal. If Jim rants out Tim, he gets immunity for his testimony. But Tim will serve ten years in prison, now for a provable crime. Tim gets the same offer. If both talk, they'll both serve eight years, having confessed to their crimes. Should either criminal talk or remain silent? Jim and Tim have to make their decision without knowing the decision of the other one. Download the accompanying PDF and follow the matrices from Chapter 1. The table above shows the rules of the game. The numbers are the number of years spent in prison. Mathematicians call these tables a game matrix. So far, we don't have much to say about this matrix. Chapter 2. The Nash Equilibrium Let me introduce a famous game theory figure. His name is Nash. John Nash. You may have heard of him, as he's the main character of the 2001 film a Beautiful Mind, starring Russell Crowe. While the film is a fictional retelling, it can be an entertaining introduction to one of the forefathers of game theory. John Nash was a brilliant man, idolizing John von Neumann and earning his Ph.D. in 1950 from Princeton University with a 28-page dissertation on non-cooperative games. 28 pages usually barely begins to scratch the surface of most dissertations, but Nash's contained the inner workings of the Nash Equilibrium, which is a key part of non-cooperative game solutions. Nash had accomplished this all by the tender age of 21. At Princeton, Nash fit into the mathematics community, and he even went so far as to try to convince Albert Einstein gravity could cause friction on photons. A physicist, he was not. By the late 1960s, Nash had suffered a series of personal setbacks, including fathering an illegitimate child, 
being arrested for indecent exposure and the death of his father. While it is unknown what exactly led to Nash's breakdown, he was hospitalized in 1961 and diagnosed with schizophrenia or with paranoid schizophrenia. This diagnosis led Nash to have bouts of time in and out of psychiatric hospitals over the next 30 years, suffering through insulin shock therapy and antipsychotic medication that impacted his ability to solve complex math problems. Nash's mental illness had a profound effect on his career. Chapter 3. The Mixed Strategy Nash Equilibrium When you were growing up, did you have a sibling or friend you fought with relentlessly about whose turn it was to play with a toy? What about how most opposing sports teams decide who gets control of the field first? We flip a coin, and the player who isn't flipping calls out heads or tails when the coin is in midair. When the coin lands, whether or not the coin is face up or down decides who gets the toy or the starter kick. But what would happen if the other player brought their own coin to this coin-flipping party, much like the villain Two-Face from The Dark Knight? Assuming you don't invite any supervillains with double-faced coins over to your house, let's say two siblings decide to play the classic example of a Nash mixed-strategy equilibrium matching pennies. In this case, Jim and his brother Tim both have a penny, and they will reveal the penny, either heads up or tails, to one another. Each time both show matching pennies of heads or tails, Jim wins $10. Each time you show mismatching pennies, Tim wins $10. We can illustrate this in a matrix as follows. Download the accompanying PDF and follow the matrices from Chapter 3. As you can see in the matrix, if both Jim and Tim get either heads or tails, Jim wins $10 and Tim loses $10. If Jim shows heads and Tim shows tails, or vice versa, Tim gets $10, and Jim loses $10. This is what we call a zero-sum game. Why? Because the result of the two players in each box adds up to zero. Let's do the math. 10 plus negative 10 equals 10 minus 10 equals zero, or negative 10. Chapter 4. Mixed Strategy Algorithm In 1950, John Nash published his famous paper, Equilibrium Points in N-Person Games. He defined his theorem as a set of strategies in a game where no player has any incentive to change their strategy based on the actions of other players. As we've discussed previously, Nash equilibria can be divided into two types, pure strategies and mixed strategies. Pure strategy Nash equilibrium occurs when all players in a game are using pure strategies. Pure strategies are used when a player knows what move they will make in any given situation throughout game play. The second type of Nash equilibrium, discussed in Chapter 3, is the mixed strategy Nash equilibrium. In its simplest terms, mixed strategy is the application of probability to any pure strategy. When a player uses a mixed strategy, it's because the game won't permit the use of a pure strategy. The player has no other choice but to select a pure strategy at random, assign probability to it, and hope for the highest expected payoff. The payoff is anticipated because it's based on the probability of the specific strategy working effectively. 
Mixed strategy Nash equilibrium happens when at least one of the players uses mixed strategy. Not every player has to. Let's go back to our matching pennies game from the last chapter. On the accompanying PDF, follow the matrices from Chapter 4. In this matrix, we could find no pure strategy Nash equilibria. We also established that if both players decided to flip their coins, they would both be indifferent about getting heads or tails. Neither of them would have done better with a different strategy. And this fact proves that there is a... Chapter 5. Pure and Mixed Nash Equilibria Mixed In this chapter, we'll learn more about simultaneous games. Remember, in these types of games, both players apply their strategies at the same time. Many fields use simultaneous games from the military to find the best way to act. We don't need to think in terms of the battle tactics of Julius Caesar to picture simultaneous games. The simplest example is probably a game we all played at some point in our lives, Rock, Paper, Scissors. In this game, we have complete information. We know what we need to do to win or lose. Paper beats rock, rock beats scissors, scissors beats paper. This knowledge gives some utility. We may strategize which weapon to choose and how frequently. We're aware that other players have the same information. The rules of the game and the payoffs are known by everybody. Simultaneous games usually use the normal form. The game is illustrated in a matrix. We assume that our opponent is a rational decision maker and will make the best moves to maximize their benefit. When both us and our opponent reach a point of equilibrium, following rational choices, where we have no incentive to change our strategy, we reach a Nash equilibrium. Do the paragraphs above help you recall something you learned already in this book? Yes, the prisoner's dilemma. That was the perfect example of a simultaneous game with complete information in normal form. To solve this game, we worked on finding a strictly dominant strategy, betray. This always offers a better individual outcome to the players than the alternative to stay silent. We therefore discounted the strictly dominated strategies. Chapter 6. Strict and Weak Dominance Knowing the strategy of my competitors and treating those strategies as unchangeable, would I be worse off by changing my strategy? If the answer is yes for every player involved, we're dealing with a strict Nash equilibrium. We've learned this so far in many examples, such as the prisoner's dilemma. Every strictly dominant strategy is a Nash equilibrium, but not every Nash equilibrium is a strictly dominant strategy. How so? Let's imagine a game where, for a player, the strategy in Nash equilibrium and another strategy not in Nash equilibrium give the exact same payoffs. In other words, this player is indifferent between the two strategies. When this is the case, we consider that Nash Equilibrium strategy weak. Let's learn a little more about how both of these types of dominance play out in mixed strategies. Strict Dominance Nash Equilibrium On the accompanying PDF and follow the matrices from Chapter 6. This is our game. As we can see, Jim has three strategies up, center, down. Tim has two strategies, left and right. 
there is strictly dominant pure strategy in this game. If you wish, it can be a good exercise for you to verify it. The practice of iterated elimination of strictly dominated pure strategies doesn't work out well here. We know what's coming. We need to check for mixed strategies, but before we do that, let's learn a little bit about how strict dominance plays out in mixed strategies. When you discover that two or more mixed strategies strictly dominate another strategy, get rid of the latter. This has been Learn Game Theory, a primer to strategic thinking and advanced decision-making. Strategic Thinking Skills, Book 1, written by Albert Rutherford, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by Albert Rutherford. Production copyright by Albert Rutherford. Please be sure to visit Amazon.com or Audible.com for more information on this book and the author. Show notes and further information can be found at RussellEricNewton.com. With a collection of trivia, research, news stories, and knowledge from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.